This is First Down Dynasty, right here on the Sports Ethos Network. And good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of First Down Dynasty. As always, I am Bill Nye, the Dynasty Guy, along with my esteemed and friendly cohort, Mr. Eric Kravitz. Esteemed and friendly. It, it was wow. a good day. <sighs> wow. Uh, color me shocked and blessed. Uh, it's an honor to be here this evening. <laughs> As always, be sure to catch us on the Ethos Sports Network and on the website. Make sure to catch us on social media, FDD underscore Ethos. Our old tag is still active. We are there occasionally at ENK Radio. And as always, we are here to talk Dynasty football. And with that, some news from the week. Unless you've been living under a rock, we have some running back signings. And as always, especially since this episode will be running back themed, that is kind of important. So, Dalvin Cook signs a one-year, $8 million deal with the New York Jets, 8.6, I believe, specifically. And also in the AFC East, Ezekiel Elliott signs for up to $6 million with the New England Patriots. This obviously affects two more prominent running backs as far as dynasty rankings are concerned, especially early on, as they are two of the better running backs that are on the younger side. What do you think about, I mean, for this season and, you know, moving forward as it affects both Brees Hall and Ramondre Stevenson? Well, first and foremost, I like uh, the Jets' plan to wait for the Patriots to sign Zeke before they offer Dalvin over $2 million more than Zeke got. Really appreciate that, and so does the salary cap. Thanks, guys. Um, As for the effect it has on both Brees and Ramondre, I feel like going into this season, and even we saw a little bit of it last year, Ramondre was never going to be the goal line guy. And people who have done their mocks so far, people who have done their drafts so far, sort of drafted him knowing that. And now that Ezekiel Elliott is there, you know he's not going to be the guy to get the work in between the 20s. That's going to be Ramondre Stevenson territory, 176%. From the 20 to the goal line, however, you might see some Ty Montgomery. You might see some Pierre Strong. But at the goal line and from in the red zone, that's Ezekiel Elliott town. He's going to be chefing it up. He's going to be fed, and he's going to be fed pretty well in the red zone. So you think this is Marion Barber 2.0, like 14 touchdowns, like 500 yards? I Well, it would be appropriate for a former Cowboy to be the new Marion Barber. Mm. And also, Jamal Williams is new Marion Barber. <laughs> Let's make that perfectly clear. I think he's a little bit better than Marion Barber. A little bit. A little bit? A little bit. A little, a little baby bit. I do like this for Ezekiel Elliott. He's definitely somebody that you could, excuse me, target a little bit later on in your drafts and expect six to seven touchdowns on the season. He might have less than 500 yards on the ground, so expect to be frustrated in terms of his, you know, actual usage, but close to the goal line, he's your guy. The Dalvin Cook stuff, especially as a Jets fan, has me a little concerned. It has me a little concerned because, one, The team can tell me that they're blue in the face, that Brees Hall is fine. He's going to start the season. He's going to be the number one guy. You don't give somebody a deal worth up to eight and a half million dollars to be your backup running back in today's NFL. 
that deal puts Dalvin Cook as a top 10 paid running back. So he's getting his money. The Jets were the people to give it to him. It'll be really interesting to see how he shares that room with uh, Brees Hall. Moving forward after this year, obviously not concerned. And the Brees can really take this year to sort of get healthy, get right, take some of the load off of him. And by next year, when, you know, next season rolls around, he should be healthy enough to be the guy with Izzy Adabanka behind him, maybe Michael Carter if they don't cut him. This season, however, if you're trying to win now, I'm not sure Brees Hall is your target at his current ADP, which is about late first, early second. He might jump down around, round and a half, end up in the late third, mid third. And even then, I wouldn't necessarily be convinced. There are other running backs, if, again, if you're trying to win now, that I would like more than Brees Hall than I did this time last week. Well, obviously, it's going to have some effect. I still think Brees. I really don't think it affects his value too much. Obviously, you're right. If your team is already in win-now mode, you know, not the best uh, situation for him. But if you're thinking long-term in general, obviously, I really don't think it makes much of a difference for this year, though. I, I do think it will be a fair split as the season progresses, obviously. Nathaniel Hackett's offense, very used to running two running backs. A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones have been a solid pair, and it'll just be interesting you know, to see how that's broken down. The one thing I would say, both skill sets are very similar. Dalvin a little bit better as far as the screen game, which they do like to utilize, especially with the offensive line still having some question marks over there. So that is definitely plausible to see him get some more playing time, especially early on. I was going to say, you had mentioned Nathaniel Hackett's offense with A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones. Mm -hmm. That's a thunder and lightning dynamic. We, we, we got double lightning over here. That's a lot of speed. So I don't know. I mean, first, we don't know what kind of shape Dalvin Cook is in, right? Apparently, teams were a little hesitant to sign him because he wasn't fully healthy, recovering from his shoulder injury. And now that we have Brees, who might not be as much lightning as he was before his injury, do you think Brees becomes the thunder to the Dalvin lightning this year? And only this year while he gets healthy? I don't know. You, you can't expect... He, was, he would have been in the running for Rookie of the Year last year. So do you expect somebody of that caliber to completely change their game for an aging vet? No. Uh, I definitely think it's gonna be a it's gonna be you know a ramp up for both of them. I think they also are very comfortable with working them both in. Neither one getting like heavy touches the first few weeks, and I think they're okay. Michael Carter has looked a little bit more spry after a week year two, and Izzy Abadakanda looks like another one of those guys that if you give him ten inches of space, he will just run by everybody. So the running back room is very deep. And ultimately, it's going to be a 1A and 1A situation. I definitely think, though, out of the two, I probably would trust Brees more in the red zone as far as expectations and definitely Dalvin more, you know, in the field. But are both going to have as great of a season as they could have if they were separate? No. Will they still put up solid numbers? Yes. And obviously, Brees has the dynasty future. So with that, you know, those are the signings. It does bring into question, though, you know, Zeke's old place. Reportedly, you know, Malik Taylor and the other backups behind Tony Pollard are doing just fine. And obviously their offensive line is good, but they are missing that thunder. They are missing a bigger back to kind of take the hits in Dallas. And, you know, Ezekiel Elliott is not there anymore. 
there's still two running backs, two veteran running backs that are notable that are available, but can they get away with not signing, you know, a bigger running back? Because Tony Pollard is the biggest one, and he is not very, I don't know, would, would sturdy be the word? Or it's just his ability to take all those hits. I don't like the Dallas running back room without someone a little meatier, I would say. Well, Kareem Hunt and Leonard Fournette are obviously the people you're referring to. Correct. Right? So Kareem Hunt is a whopping 201 pounds. I don't think he's the bruiser that you're looking for if you're looking for somebody to offset Tony Pollard close to the end zone. Leonard Fournette, however, is pushing 230, at least at this point. He's six foot tall. Kareem Hunt is 6'1". So he's shorter and about 25 pounds less. Kareem Hunt does not fit with what Dallas is going to want to do with somebody if they want to replace Ezekiel Elliott's role last year. Leonard Fournette can kind of be that guy. Tampa's offensive line wasn't incredible last year. We had him in the Scott Fishbowl last year. In early season, he 100% produced. He was a very good running back. I was able to swindle somebody into trading me a first round draft pick off the back of Leonard Fournette being really good in a dynasty league. That's fascinating. So, Let's move on. So, you know, the talent is still there for Leonard Fournette and behind the Dallas Cowboys offensive line. He can kind of thrive. He could be the thunder to the Tony Pollard lightning. He could be the thunder to the Deuce Vaughn slash Darren Sproles lightning. This kid, have you seen him? Have you seen Deuce Vaughn highlights at all? I have seen a few. Deuce Vaughn. Look, Deuce Vaughn looks like Kyler Murray is his bigger brother. I mean, then it's true. And you almost lose him in the crowds of offensive linemen until he just pops out. And while these highlights in training camp are fantastic. Oh, it's training camp. But it's training camp. And in a game, I worry that one hit might send him to the hospital. Also, can you tell me how you're not supposed to have helmet-to-helmet contact with someone that tiny? You do your best, I suppose. I'm not entirely sure. Some of these guys, he probably comes up to some of these, like, defensive linemen and linebackers, like, hip. Like, that's how tiny he looks on the field compared to some of these other gigantic men. If it works, it works. And obviously the most notable person of, I want to say, stature is Darren Sproles. And he's been getting those comparisons. But but to be fair, anybody under 5'6 and is shifty Mm. will 100% get Darren Sproles comparisons, regardless of whether or not they're actually good. That is fair. No one did it better in that role. And, you know, that would be great if it worked out for them. I just think, you know, there's there's an opening there that somebody needs to fill. And I think I'm not hoping for an injury but it's almost like they're gonna wait till an injury happens and they realize that they need another back that's a little bit bigger to take some of the hits over the course of a long season as far as running back rankings go in general we're gonna break down we're gonna kind of pick out of tier lists right now the top tier list for running back it starts with Bijan robinson the hype is very very real as gravit and i have discussed uh Brees hall up till this week was definitely in that category as well does he move out of that category with this news maybe for starter purposes that's something to figure out jonathan taylor he's in camp he's out of camp he's in camp he's out of camp i don't know what's going on and christian mccaffrey is just the standard as far as running backs probably those four in tier one and mccaffrey's still there just because even if he you know runs a little bit less those passing skills are just otherworld as far as being able to receive the ball so he stays in that tier Kravit, what do you make out of this top well firstly 
I want to add Saquon Barkley to this top tier. I want to put him at five and I want to put Brees Hall at four just above him. Then McCaffrey, then Jonathan Taylor, because when he's healthy and in camp, he's outstanding. And then obviously B. John, maybe Jonathan Taylor takes a little bit of a hit with the Anthony Richardson hype. He actually just ripped off a play for 10 yards against the Bears literally right now. So he's going to be a problem moving throughout the season. But I think Jonathan Taylor is good enough. And that team knows, even though Jim Mercer doesn't, the coaching staff knows exactly what they have in Jonathan Taylor. Is there any way he's traded before this season? Oh, I would. Before the season, I don't think he's traded. By the deadline, different story. The The position has become so diminished in the actual NFL. There's going to be somebody who's going to take a chance on Jonathan Taylor. There, there has to be. Picture this scenario. The Colts get off to a horrible start. Anthony Richardson is solid, but he's not you know, doing great at the moment. And one of those Dallas running backs just gets hurt. The conversation just kind of opens itself up to a perfect fit. And I can't even imagine Jonathan Taylor going from what used to be the best offensive line to still what used to be the best offensive line, both historically, especially over the last five years, the two best offensive lines in football until the Eagles, obviously. I don't know. Just because they just paid Tony Pollard $10 million. That's just a franchise tag. I know, but they still like he's still guaranteed that money. I'm not I'm not. I mean, it would be really fun to see Tony Pollard and Jonathan Taylor share a backfield like they did for one of my fantasy teams last year. Hello. How you doing? Keep it moving. But in real life, would it be hilarious? Yes. Will it happen? Absolutely not. And that's fine. That's fine. If we're breaking it out by tier, I think I would still prefer B. John Robinson over all four of those guys if you're committed to taking a running back that high. Now, the popular thing to do, and Will and I have been preaching this because we're very good at being ahead of the trends, if the kids are still saying that, wide receiver is the place to go early on in the draft unless you have a running back fall to you. And... Some people are taking Eckler very early. Some people are taking McCaffrey very early. I don't agree with that. I actually have Eckler two tiers below all of these other people. So I think B. John Robinson still, A, without a shadow of a doubt right now, the undisputed number one running back in Dynasty, hands down. And I think his upside is so immense that he's worth taking at his ADP. And I'd prefer to take him over all those guys. The next tier is where it starts to get a little murky. I mean, yeah. So after those top five, we move Saquon Barkley into that top tier. You got a bunch of young guys, Jamar Gibbs, Kenneth Walker, Travis Etienne, Ramondre Stevenson. And we're throwing Josh Jacobs into this tier just because of the season he just had. Obviously, he comes with the caveat that he is probably not going to be in camp at all this year, we await to see if he's going to pull a Le'Veon Bell or if he will show up. I still think he will show up because I can't imagine them tagging him again. At that point, he will become a free agent. This tier, a lot of unknown. Where everything is going, Ramondre just took a small hit this year because of Zeke. When I look at all of these backs, I think the one I like the most still is still Travis Etienne. Now, obviously, he's got one of Kraft's favorite new running backs, Mr. Tank. You know, he is a bit of a, one of those beefier backs that could potentially steal, you know, some real in-close goal line work. But ultimately, Etienne and Trevor Lawrence have a connection. They're both young. 
they're going to be together for a very long time. And I still love his upside and his uh, usage in the passing game. Problem I have with Gibbs is not that he's not going to be spectacular. I just, I don't know how many plays he's going to be involved not as a pass catcher. Because they did bring in David Montgomery, who is used to getting a heavy workload. So I just don't know how much his usage is going to be for the early part of his career. And Kenneth Walker, obviously, they've already drafted another running back. I don't know if he's going to last or not. And I own him, so I hope he does last. But I'd say the most confident one, and also given the age and the situation, out of that group, I do like Travis Etienne. The- Once again, I need to take somebody who's a tier below this tier and move them up. And that's Tony Pollard. And I would also take Tony Pollard over... Jameer Gibbs, Kenneth Walker, Travis Etienne, Ramondre Stevenson, and Josh Jacobs. I am a huge Tony Pollard truther this year. I think he has potential to be a top five guy in redraft, let alone how his dynasty value looks. I am thrilled, thrilled that I have a bunch of shares of Tony Pollard. Um, Last year, even with... Ezekiel Elliott, we just spoke about him. I don't know why I'm talking. I don't know why I'm doing that. Even with Ezekiel Elliott last year, Tony Pollard was outstanding. Had over 1,000 yards on the ground, but he had 370 yards receiving on 39 receptions. He also caught three touchdowns, 12 total on the year. That's his floor in this offense. I'm going to repeat that. That is his floor in this offense. They had him splitting carries with Ezekiel Elliott on like a 60-40 clip. Who on who in that offense is going to take 40% of the snaps, even if you divide it up? You have Malik, you have Deuce Vaughn, and you have uh, Rico Dottle, who's come on and has shown a lot of potential. Even still, Tony Pollard has proven to this Dallas staff that he can be the guy to get at least 65-70% of those carries. And if that's what he did behind Ezekiel Elliott when he barely had goal line touches, imagine what he can do if, one, Dallas doesn't replace anybody behind that line on the offensive uh, to to get into the end zone, right? So you're going to see a lot of Tony Pollard in the red zone. And two, who's taking his job in between the 20s? I I don't think any of those guys are really going to pose too much of a threat to take significant touches away from Tony Pollard. To me, it's just not going to happen. I mean, here, here's the thing. While I agree with you, there's no one really going to challenge him at the moment. But he had 1,000 yards, just over 1,000 yards, on under 200 carries, which is great. And he had nine touchdowns. But there was nobody running the ball on first and second down in between the tackles more consistently than Ezekiel Elliott. So, yes, there was a split. Yes, Tony Pollard is now going to be on the very strong end of any split with these other running backs. But can he handle that work? Can he handle being the guy that gets hit? Because he really wasn't hit that much. He was used in a certain way. And if they don't have another running back to fill that role, which I really don't think they do at the moment, he's going to need to fill that role. And with that comes, you know, being a little bit slower, maybe not as explosive. So... While, yes, he could put up great numbers for redraft purposes this year, ultimately, long-term, unless they get another running back to keep him splitting carries and keep him fresh, I don't like it for Tony Pollard long-term. I'm going to tell you why I do like it for Tony Pollard. You just did. No, no, I'm going to give you another reason. How about that? Uh, I don't know if we have time for another reason. 
I couldn't care less. I'm going to make it. How about that? You see, that's the disrespect. I call you the nice friend, and you know what? Fine, fine, fine. Go ahead. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. He joined the NFL in 2019, right? That 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 really good running back class with Josh Jacobs and with uh, Saquon, right? Correct. Saquon Barkley on his career, even though he missed a lot of time being hurt, 954 career carries, right? At least that's what the internet says. I attempt to trust the internet. Josh Jacobs, 1,072 career carries. Tony Pollard, 510 career total carries. Josh Jacobs has double the amount of touches on his career than Tony Pollard does. I am not concerned about wear and tear and durability on Tony Pollard because it's like as if he's only played two full years in the NFL. I'm far from worried about Tony Pollard and breaking down and not being able to hold up an entire season and not being able to handle a full workload. So you're saying because he's never handled a workload, he can handle a full workload? No, I'm saying it because last year was his first true year to show that he could be that guy. Being behind Ezekiel Elliott in his prime is not the best place for a young running back to be. But Dallas stuck with him and showed loyalty to him, which is something you don't really see a lot of in the NFL now. And last year was the first step in Tony Pollard rewarding Dallas for their patience and their loyalty. I'm just saying, Josh Jacobs was given the opportunity to be that guy and is that guy. So is Saquon, obviously, except for the one year plus with the injury. Tony Pollard hasn't proven he could be that guy. He's proven he could be explosive as a part-time running back. He has not proven he could be that guy. So you're he going... Was, he, he was on the plus side of the share last year. He it was, does, it for, for, for all intents and purposes, he the main running back running in Dallas' with... offense last year. He wasn't running between the tackles all the time. He was on screens. He was running outside while Zeke did the bruising work. So until I see him do it, I'm not putting him that high. Oh, I listen. That that's why that's why tier lists are different. That's why everybody's is different. And I'm glad we finally disagree on something so passionately here. I know because it's very rare that you and I have such differing opinions about something. I know, and eventually, just like now, the crab is wrong. But you know what? We have to move on. So some, so someone put Tony Pollard in tier three, me. Kravitz obviously has already mentioned him, but this is the tier of Austin Eckler, Nick Chubb, and then Najee Harris and Javonta Williams. This tier is a mix between a couple of young guys and a couple of older guys. And the two older guys, Eckler and Chubb, two of the best running backs in the league right now and the two in Najee Harris and Javonta Javonta coming off the ACL tear supposedly looks great Najee all the hype coming out of college both a few years in now and both looking to take that next step Krav if you were in this tier obviously you exclude Tony Pollard but if you're in this tier are you going with the young guy trying to take that next step or are you still sticking with the veterans that have proven that they are top athletes at the position There is only one person in this tier that I like, and he's the person you like as well, especially for this year. Nick Chubb is going to be a top three running back in uh, redraft this year. I'm going to say it louder, and I'm going to say it even prouder. Nick Chubb is going to be a top three running back in redraft this year. They have Jerome Ford, who's hurt. 
They let their Ernest Johnson go. He's a member of the Jacksonville Jaguars, if memory serves. They have John Kelly Jr. as the next heir to the throne in Cleveland if Jerome Ford continues to be hurt. And even if Jerome Ford isn't hurt, he's not nearly as good as Kareem Hunt is. And Kareem Hunt was trash last year, but they were paying him a lot of money, so they had to find ways to get his ass on the field. They don't have that issue anymore. They have Nick Chubb and literally nobody else. Nick Chubb can easily, easily lead the league in, run, in, in rushing this year. 1,600, 1,700 yards on the ground. I know we don't see that much anymore, but I think Nick Chubb, with the way that Cleveland offense is going to function, is going to be incredible. And I don't care if you're drafting for now or uh, unless you're going super tank, you want Nick Chubb on your roster. Are you concerned at all? Now that Deshaun Watson is more acclimated, that his red zone no. rushing. No? Okay. No, 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 no. We have to ask the important question. I get it. I understand, but I am still less than concerned about Deshaun Watson in the red zone. Between the 20s, maybe, but Nick Chubb is a, is a stocky boy. <laughs> Nick Chubb is not somebody to mess with. You see videos of him benching 600 pounds very easily. Nick Chubb is probably one of the safest bets in all of the NFL when it comes to a running back. Okay, moving on to tier four. The biggest tier so far, because it encompasses many different types of running back. We have Derrick Henry. We have J.K. Dobbins. Damian Pierce. DeAndre Swift. Miles Sanders. Rahad White. Joe Mixon. Cam Akers. And Aaron Jones. And ultimately, I uh -huh. mean, no? You don't uh -huh. like any? I mean, I don't like Rashad White. I don't know who Rashad. We're we're not a check there. You you don't have to go hard ch. It's okay. Are you making fun of my accent? I am pleading the fifth and saying that Rashad White is not the best running back in this tier. Okay, that's fair. The answer, even still, given the advanced stage, if you're in win now mode, it's Derrick Henry. But outside of like extreme win now mode, I do like Rashad White the best here. There you go. I got rid of my accent for you. You the, did it. The problem, so the problem is Aaron Jones is getting up there in age, and obviously with Jordan Love, you don't know what that situation is going to look like. Damian Pierce, one year, but the rest of the team around him, I don't think is still quite there yet. You may be waiting a few years until that offense really gets going. J.K. Dobbins, I know he's your boy, but he's already dealing with something again, and they have so many other weapons there now. I don't know if I like that situation. DeAndre Swift. Love DeAndre Swift. It's just really a betting pool as to which running back of the Eagles gets hurt first. Is it going to be Penny or Swift? It's 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 big money. Miles Sanders is being given the opportunity to really be a three-down back. I still don't know if that's good or not, but he's given being given the chance to. And Akers, Akers actually still has a lot of potential, being as young as he is. And Mixon, Kravit, you can speak to Joe Mixon. I mean, Joe Mixon, I'm not... A fan of his. He has no competition. He has Chase Brown and Chris Evans behind him. Chase Brown, the rookie. Chris Evans has already been in the league for a few years, and I was high on Chris Evans for a little bit, but he has not shown that he could do a goddamn thing. Joe Mixon all depends on what's going on with his um, legal issues. If Joe Mixon is guaranteed to play 17 games this year, I think that he could be a, a, solid, a solid contributor for your fantasy team as you're running back too. I think the days of him are being a true running back one are gone just because the talent above him has gotten so much better. But you, you you touched on it a little bit before. 
And out of all of these guys, I'm a big Cam Akers true there compared to the rest of these people. They have um, uh, Kyron Williams, a second round, a second year back, I should say. And they drafted Zach Evans. But all of the reports coming out of camp is it's only Cam Akers getting work with the ones. Kyron Williams isn't really showing that he's able to take on a, a bigger role in the offense. And people are high on Zach Evans. I think he has a lot of potential, but he, he's a he's a taxi squad dart throw at this point. It's not somebody that you really want to make any long-term commitment to. And that offense, we forget. They still have Matt Stafford, who's playing with a broken neck and a broken arm. Cooper Cup, obviously the star of that offense. They really don't have a true second wide receiver. So they're going to be running the ball a lot. And Cam Akers is going to be the main beneficiary of that. So just by sheer volume, I would take Cam Akers over most of these guys, including my boy. He's off pup and he's practicing J.K. Dobbins. All fair points. And to this point, every running back is obviously an RB1, an RB2, or an RB3. So all these guys are going to be owned, startup or rookie draft, etc. And, you know, none of these guys, I really have too much to complain about to this point. This is the fun tier. This is young guys, breakouts, and a couple of older guys that still have a lot of talent, but have something going on. So I love when we finally get to the rookies, obviously not Bijan, he's an exception. But the other rookies and the other people with issues and the breakout star potentials in beginning with this tier. Zach Charbonnet, Dalvin Cook, who is now officially with the Jets, David Montgomery, James Cook, Devin Akane. Akane, I believe it's Akane. I believe the proper pronunciation is Devon A. Shane. A. Shane. It's these, it's these H's, man. These C-H's that are giving me problems. Listen, that's what happens when you go to when you go to a Jewish state. They ruin your, your speaking ability. Absolutely. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco. Among other things. Um, among other things, for sure. Isaiah Pacheco, Alexander Madison, Alvin Kamara in this tier. Yes, all the way down here. Kendra Miller, his theoretical replacement eventually. A.J. Dillon, Khalil Herbert, Brian Robinson, Antonio Gibson, James Conner, and Roshan Johnson. Oh, I got a CH right. That's fantastic, Kravit. Talk, talk, talk about talk about this uh, talk about this tier a little bit. Do you like one of the cooks? Is it a rookie? Is it a breakout guy potentially, like Pacheco or? Well, looking at this list, I have a few names here that I really like. Um, one of them is somebody that you've gone out of your way to highlight. Also, we can talk about James Cook together because I do think that with Damian Harris in the backfield, and that's it. I don't count Damian Harris as a real threat to any competition whatsoever. I could be wrong about that. Um, just like I don't consider Devin Singletary in Houston a threat to Damian Pierce. They're, they're, they're old guys who are, it sucks to say past their prime, but that's only because they never really had one. And I'm saying this about people, and I know, I'm saying this about people who are miles more athletic than I could ever dream to be. So I, I understand that. I'm saying this out of deep respect for everybody on this list. Um, James Cook is somebody that I'm a very big fan of. Devon A. Shane, also a very, very, very big fan of his in the uh, Shanahan system, especially because I cannot remember a season where Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert, I hate you still for that, Will. Don't think I forgot about you bullying me into drafting Raheem Mostert. Um, neither of them are able to stay healthy for an entire season. That's the real so, reason behind Fournette last year, wasn't it? I plead the fifth. Uh-huh. Ashane is going to have eventually a real big opportunity to take the reins in that running back room. So that's why I'm high on him. 
this year and moving forward. Kendra Miller taking the Alvin Kamara spot in that offense at some point, especially because Kamara has the three-game suspension. So we'll see that. Even though he tweaked his knee, he should be okay. If you're going win now, a lot of people are disrespecting James Conner. A lot of people are disrespecting James Conner. Well, can you tell me the Arizona Cardinals running back depth chart? Oh, wait. Uh, I think it was Eno Benjamin. No, no, no. He's gone. Um, But there was... No. No, he's gone too. You know, this is quite a conundrum, actually. But I really believe the Cardinals don't have any proven running back outside well, I, I, of James I'll, I'll tell you. I'll tell you who they have. And I'll tell you who, more importantly, who they don't have. They have James Conner. They have Keontae Ingram. They have Amari DiMarcado. And if you're wondering, who the hell is that? Oh, uh, let me tell you. He went to TCU. And uh, he he's a rookie. He was drafted this past season. So, yeah, nothing really there. They have Corey Clement, who oh, wait, was wait. all right. They, they signed Marlon Mack, right? You didn't let me get there, and I'm oh, now I'm mad. Because I'm uh, I, I I was gonna say I could tell I did say I'll tell you who they don't have. Oh, okay. Will and you want to know who they don't have anymore? You could say it now that you're ruined. They go for it, Marlon Mack. You're damn right, and it's terrible. I feel bad clowning on the guy. I really do, but he is just ridiculously unable to stay healthy. They also have Tyson Williams, Week One darling of 2021. But it's the James Conner show in Arizona, and that offense is going to be putrid. Uh, but they can't throw the ball on every play of the game. So when they hand the ball off, if he's able to stay healthy, it's going to be James Conner. And James Conner was a high running back, too, last year because he was able to stay healthy. And when Kyler went down, he was the main guy. So James Conner is somebody I think you can get really reasonably priced in your mocks and in your startups and your redrafts ever, anywhere. James Conner is somebody who, if I'm going win now, I like more than every single person on this list. But if I, when I'm talking win now, I'm talking my window closes this year. Fair points. Um, I do agree with you on James Cook. He's been talked about as an every down back with Damian as a spellback and obviously a little Latavius Murray mixed in. We'll wait to see. But I think the biggest thing comes from almost their journey last year, uh, the entire Bills team. The first six weeks of the season last year, they looked like they weren't going to lose a game. They looked darn near unbeatable. And then as the season went on, their system broke down a little bit. Their offense was a little bit shaky, especially, you know, without Brian Dable any longer. And some problems in the passing game. But I think the biggest thing they realized is Josh Allen cannot keep up that level of rushing and taking that many hits. And there's one way to protect him from that, and that is actually running the ball because their running backs, I think total averaged like 12 carries a game. That's not good enough. So if they are in fact serious about, you know, controlling the game more, taking a little bit off Josh Allen, the feature back on a team that's actually going to decide to run the ball a little bit. Yeah, that's a guy I want on my team. So I do like James Cook there. And it's hard to really, you know, make a decision on a breakout because a lot of the guys that are going to break out are in the same situation I was criticizing Tony Pollard of. They really haven't been able, they really haven't had the opportunity or, you know, the workload to really, you know, be a lock-in for anything. But Alexander Madison's going to get that chance in Minnesota. And, you know, they are more of a run of a pass-first team now, especially without Dalvin Cook anymore. 
and obviously you have Jefferson and Addison. But Madison, you know, has shown glimpses at times that he can be very, very productive and special. He's going to get a chance. He's another one I would take a chance on from this group because ultimately the Vikings put up a lot of numbers during the year. What they do in the postseason, different story. But during the year, they do put up fantastic numbers. And Madison, you know, they have a couple of guys backing him up. But really, no one of substantial value that I'm worried about. Um, so I do like Alexander Madison. I can see that. He's just been very boom-bust over the course of his career. He's had opportunities before when Dalvin has been out with injury here, injury there. 2019, he was also hurt, and the Vikings had to depend on Mike Boone. Remember that game? Remember the Mike Boone game? No, because nobody cares about the Mike Boone game. I try to block all Vikings backup running backs out of my mind for good reason, and you're well aware of that. Yeah, it happened to me. Matt Asiata happened to me. It had yeah. nothing to do with you. No, well, it happened to me the following week too. So, all right, fine, fair enough. I, I, I get, I, I do, I, I do appreciate the hype for Alexander Madison. I really do. Um, but he's been given the opportunity more than a couple of times. And while the coaches say that they have faith in him, I don't see him being the bell cow back that people want him to be. They like time. They like Ty Chandler. They drafted McBride. Kenny Nwangu is going to be their punt returner, but he's shown some flashes as being able to carry the ball every now and again. That's a running back room along with like the Bears that I wouldn't be so excited to be a part of unless I had more than one piece of it. Because if I have more than one piece of it, then I'll obviously be able to work with what they do and adjust my roster accordingly when they decide what they want to do about their running back room. Like with the Bears, for an example. Khalil Herbert and Roshan Johnson are both in the same tier, and they're separated by three running backs. And you have to remember, they also signed the Onta Foreman. I have no idea what's going on in that running back room. Well, reportedly, you know, being the incumbent, Khalil Herbert was taking most of the, you know, first-team reps. Even if Dante Foreman is going to rotate with Roshan as the early down back, it seems like Khalil Herbert's definitely, you know, the second, third down back pass catching, which is also ironic because he didn't really do that much catching, even though that's, you know, how people think of him. A few screen passes and it broke a couple last year, but definitely interesting to take a look at. Yeah, I have no idea how it's going to go. I think Dante Foreman's the only one I, you know, wouldn't consider because I feel like he's going to get, you know, replaced pretty quickly by Roshan. And Herbert, you know, obviously the incumbent, they do like him. With this uh, next and final tier that we're going to discuss tonight, pretty much the backup tier. And, you know, this tier can be graded as far as which one is most realistically going to have more spot starts than the other because their starter keeps getting hurt. Or also, will they have their own standalone value? So you got Tank Digsby, Tajay Spears, Damian Harris, Jamal Williams, Rashad Penny, Tyler Algier, Elijah Mitchell, Devin Singletary, Samaje Pirine, Jalen Warren, Kenneth Gainwell, Chase Brown, Zamir White, Jerome Ford, and Jarek McKinnon. It's a lot of backups. This is arguably my favorite tier of running back. Because this tier right here shows everybody in your league who's doing their homework, who's doing their research, and who's watching ESPN. Half the guys on this list are not spoken about in any football talk shows. Very rarely outside of, you know, fantasy football podcasts that matter 
will you hear the name of somebody like a Chase Brown or a Samaj P. Ryan when Javonta Williams eventually gets healthy? And then you guys have guys even further down the list, like your Jerome Fords, who we mentioned earlier, like your Zamir Whites, like your Zach Evans, Kyron Williams. The list goes on and on. But there are three guys who I really like out of this tier. We'll mention one earlier, Tank Bigsby. He is having a lights-out training camp. He's having such a good training camp. And again, it could be coach speak and conjecture, however you want to look at it. He's been getting run with the ones. When you have Travis Etienne, who has that Trevor Lawrence connection, and you're still finding ways to put Tank Bigsby in the first group during training camp, as a rookie, something's going on there. They're cooking something in Jacksonville. And normally when something's cooking in Jacksonville, it's meth. I don't think it's meth this time. Mm. Secondly, I got an alert today that that, 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 that titillated me a little bit. And the re- report read something along like this. This is paraphrasing. Jalen Warren resembles a young Alvin Kamara. And I'm going to repeat that because it's such an outlandish thing. And I had to read it twice. Jalen Warren resembles a young Alvin Kamara. I think Najee Harris and Jalen Warren are going to be a nasty running back room for the NFL and an even nastier running back room in fantasy football. You forget last year, even though Najee Harris said he was playing hurt last year, Jalen Warren carved out a really nice role for himself, especially towards the end of the season with a bad offensive line. That offensive line got a lot better. They also drafted tight end. Darnell Washington is a really good blocking tight end. So you put both Najee and Jalen in that backfield, that could be something nice. And the last guy that I like is rumored to be the early down back for the Philadelphia Eagles and Kenneth Gainwell. And you're going to say to me, didn't they just trade for DeAndre Swift? Didn't they just sign Rashad Penny? And the answer is yes to both of those questions. He's getting the run with the ones, and Will said it earlier, it bears repeating, the bet is on to see who's going to get hurt first between DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny. There's a third guy in that backfield. His name is Kenneth Gainwell, and he's going to get a lot of burn this year. No, I completely agree. I do like Gainwell this year. And also, if we remember to our running back discussion a few weeks ago, I did say that I expect Swift more to be used like a wide receiver than a true running back. And in training camp, supposedly, that's exactly what they're doing. He's moving all over the field, predominantly as a receiver, more so than a true running back. So I do think with that, I think Rashad Penny is definitely going to be the first one hurt. But, you know, we'll wait and see. But I do like Kenneth Gainwell um, in that regard. I also do really like Zamir White. Obviously, the Josh Jacobs issue is very well known, but he is not in camp. Zamir White is getting all the first-team reps without Josh Jacobs there. And even if Josh Jacobs shows up at the end of training camp and is ready for the regular season, we all know how this goes. He's not going to really be ready for the regular season. There's going to be some kind of issue early on because he's not stretched out properly. He's not ready to handle that kind of workload. So Zamir White, even with Josh Jacobs back, I feel like is going to carve out a role for himself because I really don't see how Josh Jacobs can come in at that point if he does miss the entirety of camp and just plug away like he did last year. I don't think he's going to get anywhere near the same amount of touches. So I do think Zamir White probably has the highest upside to 
have standalone value. And the other guy I do like is obviously you mentioned him, Jalen Warren, who will have standalone value as well. The other guys predominantly, mostly pure backups. Tank may have a shot. Jamal Williams will obviously be involved in the red zone in New Orleans. Just a big question mark because obviously they do have Kamara as well, who will be back. After. But, Ch- but Zamir White, Jalen Warren, Kenneth Green will really go too far around. I will give an honorable mention here, just because we don't know what the deal with Jonathan Taylor is. Evan Hall is going to get a chance. <laughs> He's a rookie this year, obviously drafted by the Colts. He's going to get a shot. You have to think so if Jonathan Taylor even pretends that he's actually going to hold out and he had an excused absence today even though he even though he's healthy he wasn't with the team today for an undisclosed personal reason that got quote unquote approved yeah it got approved probably because he called ursay out told him to go screw himself and then walked out and they're like let's make this sound good that's 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 what happened today uh yeah i have no idea what's going to happen with the running back room after him Deion jackson Zach Moss will be healthy in about a month. And then they did sign Kenyon Drake. I have no idea. what. Uh, I'm hoping Taylor plays. Listen, I, I, I said there is a chance that Evan Hall will play. Did I say he's going to be starting for you? No. This, isn't, this is not a James Robinson take, by the way. <laughs> My James Robinson take was, one, incredible. And two, very outlandish. I am not making the same takes about... Evan Hull than I am about James Robinson. Oh, no, absolutely. I'm just saying that situation, if there is no Jonathan Taylor, is still probably the biggest mess, even topping the mess in Miami as far as what to do about running backs with a team. So that pretty much is, uh, you know, kind of breaking down the tiers of running backs for this week. Obviously, let us know if there's anyone you guys are really high on this year once again at FDD underscore ethos. Make sure to catch us on social media. Next week, we're covering tight ends of the same. And, you know, maybe we'll mix in a mock on air as we kind of get closer to the season, just to give you an idea of, you know, what. I mean, if you're still drafting your startup dynasty drafts at this point in the season, and this is coming from me, you have an addiction and you need help. And again, (laughs) that's coming from me. And I'm in a minimum of 20 leagues. What if they got off to a late start? Welcome to the party, pal. Mm. So once That's again, movie I have seen, by the way, I want to make that clear. I have seen Die Hard. I'm proud of you. Thanks, bud. Everyone, we'll catch you next week right here on First Down Dynasty on the Sports Ethos Network. Have a good night, everybody. <laughs>